Welcome to Well Played Podcast, the show on all things playful and joyous in education. I'm your host, Michael Matera, sixth grade teacher, author, and motivational speaker. Today with me, I have a returning guest. I always love having a returning guest. It's uh, Stephanie Crawford's with us today, and we are chatting about collaboration in the classroom. Uh, Stephanie, you want to give an introduction for all of those people that are just tuning in to Well Played for the first time? Absolutely. Thank you for having me, Michael. I am Stephanie Crawford. I am an instructional coach in Central Illinois. Um, I was an ELA teacher uh, for middle school for 13 years before I took that step into a different direction. Gamified educator in the classroom and gamified instructional coach. Instructional coach for PD now too. Nice. So just a perfect, perfect guest to have on. And like Stephanie, you're just. You're a hoot to chat with, so I'm excited to <laughs> do this. So let's get started. This is uh, for those of you tuning in at home. This is episode 132. So if you want to post a comment or sort of connect, you can do that by going onto my YouTube channel, and you'll see episode 132 of Well Played, as well as other videos you could interact with. So uh, check those out and leave a comment. And we're ready. We're off to the races. Here we Ooh. are. Uh, all right, so collaboration in a classroom. This is obviously like huge topic and huge need, right? I mean, we talk about trying to get kids prepared, you know, we 21st century skills, right? All this <laughs> all these uh, By the way, I'd like to point out we're still talking about 21st century skills and we're nearly 20 years in to the 21st century. <laughs> it's pretty crazy. Right? Mhm. It's it's pretty crazy. We could just call them like millennial skills. Then we have like a thousand years. I like it. We have a thousand years. So then we're only twenty years in. Like, that's dropping the bucket. Um. So yeah, like, but you get this idea, right? That there, it is a skill that is clearly needed in in the work world. It's clearly needed in our classrooms, and. There's all sorts of different like ideas around collaboration and like how to go about it, how best to do it. Um, I I will fully admit, for the better part of my beginning part of teaching, I would say these things to kids like, "Well, you have to collaborate. <laughs> Collaborate's really important." But I wouldn't do any like actual instruction around it. I would just be putting them in. Right? It would it would be like taking the swimmer who cannot swim, like the beginning swimmer, and just throw them in the deep end and just be like, "Well, yeah, like." You need to know how to swim, so I'm putting you in a pool, and you should you should swim. Just make it work. Just yeah, like come on, like just do it. You guys aren't swimming. You're sinking to the ground. Why aren't you listening to me as you sink? Uh, and while I don't like admitting that, I think I feel comfortable admitting it because I think that's what a lot of teachers do. Collaboration is sort Absolutely. of the afterthought. Like they've put thought into the project, they put thought into their rubric, and then like and then they just put kids together. Yes. So I would agree with you. So <laughs> which one are you agreeing on, Stephanie? That I have done the very poor job I mean, of I don't group want work. To call you out, but no, I agree with you that that is something that many teachers do, and I will admit that I did the same thing. <laughs> so I am I am fine jumping in that with you. <laughs> it was very much like, oh, we need to learn to work together, so you need to be on a team. And then I would give all of these great directions for the actual product that I wanted to see. But, okay, you just choose your group. Uh, that doesn't work. <laughs> so, clearly... All right. So, so we have two 
veteran teachers who have learned from experience not to do that. Right. What are some words of wisdom we can kind of pass on to some people uh, if they're making that same mistake or maybe if they're new to teaching career and they're they're doing that, you know, because they see the value of collaboration, but much like the beginning parts of our career, don't know how to necessarily explicitly teach that. Right. I think two things, really. One, um, we, we always go back to relationships, I feel like, when we talk about successful classrooms and successful teaching. Um, and I think that when I started really getting to know my students more, I've always thought relationships were important, but I think there was a time in my and my teaching where I shifted to even more of a disimportance on really getting to know what makes a student tick and not just what a 504 said or an IEP said or the small talk, but the really active listening and participating with them in conversations that helps as you get to know them more, make better choices on who goes where. I think there is some of that. But when we talk at the gamification level, when I started giving them the test for what gamer type they were, that actually really helped as well because it told me a lot about how they like to work, what their end goal was, what their weaknesses were even, as well as their strengths. And then when I was able to pair groups based on that kind of information, we had a more well-rounded group who they were willing to work together in ways that they weren't always willing to do. You know, if you had four of the same type um, before in a group and you weren't even aware of it, if that makes sense. Sure. <laughs> I So I use that Bartle test as well. Uh and for those of you that don't know it, it, it is very similar to other sort of personality tests. This mm-hmm. one centers around what type of gamer you are. And I think Stephanie and I would agree on like kind of like how you play is kind of how, how you are too. <laughs> yes. I mean, right? Like yes. you're, you are the player in your own game called life. <laughs> and like there's some of the same <laughs> same ideas, same notions that can be found there. So it's really helpful to like sort of know that. But I would also say with the Bartle test, and I, I know from past conversations with you, you use it the same way, that the kids like see that result too. And the yes. kids understand who they are as gamers. And I, I can speak for myself on this, that I also make sure I explain to kids where I see those things show up in the classroom. And yes. and then when kids sort of start to understand who they are and who the people are around them, they all of a sudden start to see strategies themselves that they've sort of come up with like oh i should ask stephanie this because you know and they know that about them which is like similar to any personality test but i think that's a powerful tool that can't really be overlooked or shouldn't be overlooked well and i would say that the reason why i like that test so much even above regular personality tests where a teacher may have given a personality test before but they the students seem to respond better to that to that particular test because they relate to the games to them. Mm -hmm. It's just like meeting them where they're at. It's not trying to psychoanalyze them in their heads to them. It is just, okay, I'm going to see how I play these games, right? Like I'm going to see what type of a player I am. And they're, I don't know. They relate to that more. They're more honest. I think they're more excited to take it. They talk about their results together too. Like, Oh, I was this, or I was this. Um, and when they're surprised, they talk about it with their friends also. And that's what I like. We would take a whole day to do some of this stuff and this analysis, and then they would talk about it. And I, I just think that those discussions themselves are powerful because they are 
then building relationships with the people that they will collaborate with. So, yeah, I think like another tool. So if like, I hope everybody checks out the Bartle test. It's a, it's a good one and it's free and there's lots of different like programs out there that'll let you take it and get the results. But another way that I sort of try to build up collaboration, I spoke about it a little bit in my book is this idea of keeping groups longer than mm-hmm. than I think most teachers do. I think like the 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 typical is you know we're gonna draw some popsicles and that's who you're gonna work with today or you're gonna do your clock buddies today or whatever. And there is value to having like one off activities and I do those as well. Mm-hmm. However, like the resting heart rate in my classroom, you're in what are called guilds, and these I only change probably about four times a year. Um, doesn't exactly play out on the quarter. It's more about like what unit I'm in that they switch. But the point is uh, having those kids work together for so long on so many things, mm-hmm. it it all of a sudden, the, the, the sort of return on investment, right? The ROI for the 11-year-old to actually take the time to know the person next to him is worth mm-hmm. it because like, mm-hmm. Hey, like I'm the A student and I'm, I don't want to do all the work all quarter for this group. But when you do a one-off activity, the return on investment for that A plus student, it's like, it's not worth it for this one activity to like truly understand what Stephanie's good at and like trust her to do this work because it's a one-off activity, you know? Right. I would say uh, I completely agree with you. And I, we've talked about this a bit before, but I do it a little bit differently in the PD and in my classroom, but sure. I kept them divided into the same teams all year, which is similar to what you're saying with your guild. So, um, but I, we didn't switch. So in the classroom, uh, when I did Harry Potter, you belong to your house all year. And that was amazing because they knew who the people in, so I had 150 students and all houses were just, everyone was in one of the four houses of all those 150 students. So you might have, you might be in my first hour um, and be a Ravenclaw, but then you also know who from fifth hour is a Ravenclaw because you've been seeing consistently who's doing what for your team. You've been working together and collaborating on side quests. Maybe you've been talking about it outside of there. So they Mm -hmm. continue even to not just build relationships with those members of their team in the classroom, but then in their grade also. So it was like identifying like, Hey, you're part of my team and, and getting them to, to talk and interact with each other in new ways, even outside of the classroom. And then with the PD, the same thing, we've taken all of our teachers and admin and divided them into teams. This year we have six teams, but what I've seen is those that get invested in the game and involved in it, they are talking to their teammates. They're encouraging them. They're asking them, hey, would you do this? Do you want to work on this? What are you doing to fulfill this choice spot? So those that are doing it are really getting to that collaboration stage also where they are asking each other what you're doing, where they are trying to build that relationship. And that is, like you said, that's the power of having a team longer than uh, you know, a PLC activity or mm-hmm. for one class period. Yeah. And I love sort of how, I mean, you really spoke to this, right? I love how it, it sort of resonates with the, with the kids and it even resonates with adults, right? It's this, mm-hmm. we are tribal. So like to, to be a part of something and, and I'm not saying you roll this out and every kid's like, sweet, I'm part of this group. Right. Like it right. takes time, 
But like there's always in every walk of life, there's the early adopters. And so mm-hmm. you're going to have the three or four adults that are like, I'm excited that I'm on this team. And hey, mm-hmm. we have these tasks. Let's do them. And they're going to talk to the four or five others who are going to be kind of like the next tier of early adopters. Mm-hmm. And then like all of a sudden you're going to reach this critical mass where like the group is just functioning and you you do have a wide swath of people that are participating. And there is this sort of enthusiasm about being part of this group and seeing it play out and seeing right. the group and, and and truly even in my 11 year olds there's even a pride point of seeing the growth that's happened like they're proud of like man we we did really well on this we yep. figured this out we and there's like this pride element that's just fantastic uh which i think both of us would agree the the game component helps elicit and and sort of amplify that team feel right because when when it's just schooly and you're just doing a project and it's a project for a project's sake it doesn't it doesn't like envelop sort of our our heart it it doesn't uh you don't connect to it right it it is just a series of tasks right like right (laughs) Let's let's say like 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 paying our taxes, right? Like that's just a series of tax, uh, t- you know, things you got to do and forms you got to fill out. There's nothing fun about that, but right? If all of a I sudden, I mean, I could love paying my taxes. You don't know. You hey, I am not going to tell you what to love, and I got no, some I'm paperwork you. for you. I'm with you. <laughs> so, but um, so I like that, and I like that students sort of feel that connection, and you can see it. Um, and uh, this isn't so much collaboration in terms of the academic side of things, but what the game also allows is these relational moments for even adults to sort of talk about like what items they have, what can we do, when should we play it, how can we best mm-hmm. play it. And I see that play out with my students all the time. Like we're getting into the part where now more and more of my students are playing, more and more of my students are starting to earn things for the first time. And there's a mm-hmm. whole heck of a lot of discussion at the guild level, well, definitely at the friendship level, like the things that transcend the guilds, like they're all like, hey, like Stephanie, what'd you get, blah, blah, blah. Then the guild now starts to want to know. And then the house, which is like the period for me, wants to know. And mm-hmm. uh, it's just it's just neat. And it sort of solidifies that like tribal mentality, which again is ingrained in us, I'm, I'm pretty certain. Yeah, I would, I think that you're right. and. I think in the PD portion of it, what I see that I get amused with like that, cause it's different. Cause I don't get to see 300 teachers every day. Um, but there'll be some times when there'll be a few teachers talking and it'll be about like something that they're doing for their choice board or something that they're like a strategy that they're planning or clues that they're reworking to put the picture together in the right way. Sure. And um, it'll be like, no, wait, which team are you on? Oh, oh, okay. Well, I can't talk to you about this. <laughs> you know, like then they, they start realizing like, wait, I've said too much. I shouldn't That's be awesome. talking to this. I have to go find my own teammate now. Um, so I think even those, those are relational moments too. And it gets, it gets multiple people aware that they're not the only one doing it. You know, they're not the only one excited. You do get that kind of building momentum as that you spoke to where people the early adopters inspire kind of the others to come in and then you you just have this working and it's nice to see all of it going on yeah uh i mean having collaboration at the forefront like we said at the beginning this this is something that's important and we all know it's important and we all know we should do it how to do it is a whole nother thing and i think Mm -hmm. both of these 
that we've laid out are things that anybody can sort of take away and use. I think another, if I was to give another suggestion, uh, I would change like people's language on on group work or on collaboration, you know? I think language is such a powerful tool. I've seen that play out in gamification, just calling things side quests and whatnot, like how much mm-hmm. that can elicit a response. Uh, but I think so so true is how we talk about group work and collaboration. Don't just say, well, it's important. You have to learn how to do this, right? Like um, give both time and attention to to the actual creation of the group and walk, working kids through how best to do a collaborative experience. I, I do that in my class by usually talking about asset-based thinking. So we literally as a group generate what are the assets you bring to the group. Looking at these assets, like the idea was the kids would get together and really just break down everything they bring to the group. And I try to like not limit it to just school things. Like what are your interests? What are your hobbies? What are you what are you good at? I mean, are you are you into sports? Are you athletic? Are you, you know, really good at computer work? Are you really creative? Are you really artistic digitally? Are you artistic you know, by hand and seeing kids generate this huge list of things that exist within inside their group. It's another mm-hmm. like tribal pride moment in which they're like, man, this is us. Look at, look at all that we have here. And it, it helps the students realize who they should go to, to lean on certain mm-hmm. things. And, and mm-hmm. that's, that's been a, an effective tool, but it does, it takes time. Like for me to do that, I can't just jump straight into the project. I can't just be, here's the mm-hmm. rubric, here's the thing, here's the due date, and I'll work together. Like, mm-hmm. just like your content, if you want collaboration skills, we have to provide time and some professional development for our students <laughs> around it. I think that's true. I also think that is a good place to start for for teachers when you're talking about committees and that too. If we started doing that when we formed committees and saying, okay, what is your strength in this area? What is your weakness? What do you bring to the table? I think if it was an honest conversation and not just, okay, I'm putting someone on this committee because I need someone from my building or this person volunteers for everything. You know, need, if we actually see. made are it. You, are you a warm body? Because that's, that's the talent we're looking for I mean, here. but... I feel like in my experience with committees, that's essentially what you're being told. Like, I just need some warm bodies. You'll do. I know you will. You work hard. Okay. You're putting, I'm putting you on this. If we took the time to sit down and and have them discuss like, okay, what makes you a good person for this candidate? What are you, or for this committee? What are you bringing to the table here? If we looked at those strengths of everybody, it would not only have some buy-in for the committee that you are volunteering to be on right um, <laughs> um it would help you get to know the educators on that committee with you and have a stronger again relationship with them so that you want to do better you want to do more it means more to you and it would be modeling what we want them to do with their students in the classroom but we don't do that instead we, we just we, we just say all. What we're, what we're telling teachers not to do in their classroom, we just say, okay, here's a committee. Get to work. <laughs> work together. Get to work. Yep. You get to leave at 430. <laughs> Use your 21st century skills. Yep. <laughs> Millenn- millennium skills. 
Yes, use your millennium skills. <laughs> we coined a new We're phrase. We're making that a thing now. Yeah, we are. Millennium, millennium skills. That's awesome. They, yes, like their skills will last a thousand years. Uh, so. Uh, I agree. And we have to do that as adults. Uh, you make a good point. Like we got to think how we're building committees at our school. I like that. And, you know, I think too, as somebody that is on a lot of committees, but I'm not always like the head of the committee or the one that runs mm -hmm. the committee or organizes the committee. I I would suggest, especially if you're a new teacher and you're, you're wondering like, where's your place? What, how, what can you do? What can you not do? Uh, don't, don't worry about it. <laughs> like I, I would suggest I would suggest like take Stephanie's point like maybe we should have that honest conversation and I don't think it would hurt at the beginning of some committee meeting to say like let's just take five minutes to sort of mm -hmm. talk about this like what do we all bring can we jot down mm -hmm. who's good at certain things you know like mm -hmm. if you were to have to like pitch something that you could bring this committee in terms of a talent that would be useful for us what would that like one or two talents be? And then all of a sudden you generate a list of, you know, 16, 20 different things and you, you start to see like, oh, like they're really good. That maybe they, they'd be good for taking notes. Maybe they're more mm -hmm. visionary. So like let's own that they're visionary, but that might mean that they're not super detail oriented. That doesn't make their vision bad, but they're admitting right. they're visionary. They're going to be able to see things you can't see, but they're not going to like have that detail oriented. So maybe... That would be great to establish up front so that we hear the visions and then the people that are detour learned could like maybe help flush that out. Mm -hmm. And it, I think it would help with distribution of work when you're talking about something that actually needs to be planned and done on a committee too. Sometimes committees don't require that, I understand, but sometimes there is an action item, an actionable item that you are going to be carrying out. And if you have those conversations ahead of time, it does help you distribute it sure okay. Does. You you have already said this is your strong suit. How about we work together on this, you know, instead of the person who just is able to maybe keep their head down and and get out of doing a lot of that stuff. <laughs> no, that's a good point. Uh so thinking through like any other collaborative tips for the classroom or the school, uh I I think where I would want to sort of sum it up is something you sort of said is just again that focus on the relationship and i i mean that in all senses so i mean that for you like as an educator to fellow educators you as an educator to your students but but i also mean like focus on the relationship student to student like give them time mm -hmm. to build a relationship around your content around your activity so that it's not just like a taskmaster, like just get my stuff done. I've given you the rubric. Why aren't you working? And it's like, we know as adults, like that wouldn't work. So why do we expect like an 11 or 12 or 14 or 18 year old to be yep. able to do that? Yep. So let them establish that community. Let it be a little noisy as they <laughs> establish that community. Let them like <laughs> talk that through and, and also understand with any of the advice that Stephanie and I are giving it, it, won't a hundred percent work. I mean, like, right? <laughs> but that's okay. Like, 
there is no way. I mean, you're you're talking about human beings, right? Somebody's gonna yep. be having a bad day. Somebody's dog just died. Somebody's girlfriend just broke up with them. Like, so you can't just say, "Well, like we did it," but there was that one group in the corner that just sat there, and it's yep. like, yes, but you had like six other groups that like clearly established better relationships and and are going to have a more effective time together. Yeah, I'm really glad that you brought that up. Don't you don't have to have a hundred percent in order for it to be successful. You just don't. You you have to have those steps that you're taking that you see a change and that you see the engagement, that you see the difference. And like you said, if there's a group that's that's not benefiting that day, that doesn't mean they won't benefit ever. But you reflect on that. You figure out what you could do. Is there a way you could reach that group? Is there something that's that needs changed? And you keep going. Yeah, and clearly the what's happening right now in your class like if you're still listening to this podcast you're still hanging on there and you're like <laughs> yeah i mean i guess i have used collaboration that way you're not at 100 percent now so like again the, the measure cannot right. be 100 percent. so let's let's remember that stephanie we are already at reflection time so we're gonna oh that went so quickly i'm telling you it's good it's good <laughs> So uh, for those of you out there listening in Reflection Time, I'm going to ask Stephanie and I sort of a question that relates or a quote that relates to what we're talking about today. And we're going to just give it a quick spin of how it sort of fits into what we're discussing. This one comes from H.E. Lukak. I think. I think I got that right. <laughs> we'll see. Okay. I'm always uh, nervous about these. All right. This one is... No one can whistle a symphony. It takes a whole orchestra to play it. Oh, I like it. I mean, I feel like it's pretty clear meaning, but <laughs> we'll go ahead. Here's here's my takeaway from it. Normally, you ask me if I want to go first. I'm just going first. I'm just Dang. taking that today. <laughs> wow. That's, that's um, less less collaborative, more assertive. <laughs> Here's what's going to happen. I'm going to tell mine, and I'm going to feel okay about it, and then you are going to say yours, and I'm like, well, that was great. I Here's I what's going to happen. For that. you listeners, I know you're waiting. I know you cannot wait to hear our take on this. Here's what's going to happen. She's going to explain it, and because it's so obvious, I'm just going to go, uh-huh. Uh okay. So clearly... When we work together, we're better. We're uh, we sound better. We, you know, as in the metaphor here, our analogy with our symphony, we're we sound better when we work together. When there is more of us that are contributing and working together, collaborating, um, we may be strong on our own. By the way, I can't whistle, so I feel like I can't necessarily relate to whistling a symphony. <laughs> but if I could whistle. <laughs> I know that it wouldn't be near as impactful as when other voices join me um, and maybe someone can do a background melody while I'm doing, you know, what's mm -hmm. the forefront. Um, that's the same way with collaboration. We need all of us working together. We need all of our voices heard. Um, and we don't all have to be doing the same part. If we were all just as loud and doing the exact same thing, it would sound awful. It takes all the people jumping in with what they do best and in their way to make it work. Uh-huh. <laughs> I entirely agree with Stephanie. 100%. I'm recording that and then going to keep it to like play as a sound bite. To finish my quote <laughs> on, on this particular issue. 
Uh, everyone, thank you so much for joining Well Played today. It's This is episode 132. If you want to post a comment on the, the YouTube channel, you can find it there. Stephanie, thank you so much for being part of the Well Played community and being on the show time and time again. I always love having you here. Thank you so much for having me. It is always the highlight of my day. Yay. And everybody <laughs> else, uh, you know, keep keep finding that joy in the journey of life in your classroom take that time to be relational it's going to be well worth it uh that's all i have for you this week take care